in Matthew 6, 5 through 13. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. All right. We just like to pull the fire alarm from time to time, just keep you guys on your toes. So you guys are welcome for that. Hey, my name is Ben. If I haven't met you yet, really glad that you guys are here with us. Um, Say that again. Tell them to come on in, man. We're having church. We don't have a fire, correct? Praise the Lord. Everybody rejoice and be glad. <laughs> All right, no fire, so we're good. Um, hey, we're in Matthew 6 today and really are glad that you guys are here. I want to remind you of something. Uh, if you are a covenant member in the church, summertime is when we renew our membership. Now, the reason that we do that is because we want it to be a real membership. So for those of you, you've gotten an email if you're a covenant member, please just remember to go in there, renew your membership. Um, we are going to pursue people. If we don't hear from you, if you have anything you want to talk to elders about, if you have anything you want to talk about the church at all, you can mark that at your membership renewal uh, online, but it's really easy. So just today, maybe take out your phone right now and just say, renew my membership Um, because inevitably there's going to be people that we're chasing down in September that just like, oh, I forgot or whatever, and it really is. We want to know who is a covenant member in this church, so please go in and renew those, okay? All right. So again, if I haven't met you, my name is Ben. I serve as one of the pastors here. I get to serve as a lead pastor in Frontline Shawnee. We are going through a series um, that would be formerly known as Spiritual Disciplines, but We decided we don't really like that term, and we don't think it's a good descriptor, because what we need more than anything is grace. We need rhythms of healthy grace in our life, because God actually does extend grace to us in all things. So the name of this series is Rhythms of Grace. We've talked about how we need the Bible. We've talked about how we need healthy rhythms. Uh, Today, we're talking about prayer as a rhythm of grace, and let me Say this as honest and clear as I can. I haven't been preaching very long, and, but I've been a Christian a long time. Without a doubt, preaching has been the most confrontational, um, sometimes shaming, all the time formational thing that I have ever done in my life. I'm grateful for that. The shame that I put on myself for not being the expert, because that's what I want to be, I want to be the expert who's figured all this out and is now giving you (laughs) non-experts the stuff that I've already figured out. And it's just not true. 
I think I need God more than anybody else in the room, to be honest with you. Every time I preach on one of these topics, reading the word, today, prayer, I feel the pull to be a more mature man. I have not figured out prayer. Let me just be straight with you. If I were to ask you, should you pray more? What would your answer be? Maybe you would say, I don't think so. I think I, I actually cornered the market on prayer. I figured out a long time ago, the perfect formula for me to be a consistent and full-time prayer all the time. Would you say that? Look, we're in church, man. I know we're not used to being honest in this room, but we have to be honest in church above all places. What you would probably say is, I know I need to pray more, but I feel a lot of shame. I wish I did pray more. I know I need it, but I have all these reasons, these things we think about God, and our job today is to sort of dig down to what we actually believe about ourselves and God. You might feel inadequate. You might feel like I do, like we need all spiritual disciplines more. We need more prayer, but... I'm not sure why we need it, maybe you're thinking. What good does it do? Why is it necessary? Does God really listen? God's pretty busy. Is he listening to me? Am I too broken and messed up to even be heard by God? God himself, I think, is going to help us today understand what prayer is right out of the mouth of Jesus. Today's passage is one of the most direct, succinct, and simple passages in the Bible. The same question was asked to Jesus, how then should we pray? And Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. First, a few things that probably keep us from praying. One, does it work? Does it work? Humanity in general is not impressed with supernatural. We struggle with miracles because we like to control things with our hands. And so we would much rather be able to explain things away than even trust God himself. Doctors who we love, doctors are necessary, they're a gift from God, but even our diet, athletes, trust in their abilities more than the power and the presence of God. We don't even trust stories of healings in the church. We've had multiple people healed miraculously in this church in the past several months. Um, One of our staff guys at uh, another congregation, a guy who's an elder in training, had a brain tumor removed this week, and it was a miraculous surgery. It was a massive tumor. They called it a miracle at the hands of the doctor. He had supernatural focus. We'd rather talk about God than to him. Counselors, therapists, friends, pastors, um, all very, listen to me, all very good things. We promote all of those things at Frontline. Should you be in counseling? The answer is yes. I don't care what's happening in your life. They just are helpful. But what I do and what we do is we often talk about God instead of talking to him. And so we go to other people at the expense of going to the Alpha and Omega. He wants to hear from us. Prayer is talking to God. Or maybe we're let down a lot. Maybe the healings that we prayed for, we just haven't seen those happen. And been praying for family members and friends for years to come to church and know Jesus. Or maybe they come to church and they don't, they hear the clear gospel or whatever and they don't accept Christ. And that happens 10 times in a row and we get let down and discouraged. 
We want things in our life. We don't have a spouse yet. We don't have a baby yet. We don't have lots of things. So we're let down. We've been praying for these things. And either God does not listen at all, or I'm in some terrible person in some terrible way that he doesn't listen to me. All very real situations in this room today. Some carry one of these. Some of you carry all of these. But all of us carry at least some of them. Whatever reason, we, we know that we need to be a people of prayer. My hope is that God forms us more towards that end today. And listen to me, I'm standing as a man that I promise you needs God more than anybody else in this room. Jesus is very tender. He gives us exactly what we need. So let's look at what he says about prayer. Matthew 6, 5 through 6. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus first tells his disciples, which includes you and me, he tells them how not to pray. Don't pray like this. He says this simply, prayer is not performance. Prayer is not performance. It's not performance for people and we'll see in a little bit, it's not performance for God. The hypocrites that he mentioned here, that word is a Greek word which describes an actor in a play. Hippocrates, someone who wore a mask, who put on a costume and pretended to be something that they are not. What's ironic is these are actually the religious leaders of the day. They are supposed to be the ones who know God the most, but what they're doing is not performing for God, they're performing for people because they want people to think that they know God. He says, don't be like them. Don't be like them. Don't pray just so people will think, I bet God listens to that dude. He prays a lot. Don't be like them. Pray to God because you want God to hear you. That's why we pray. We want to commune with him. Prayer is not performance for people. It's also not performance for God. Look at the next two verses. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father already knows what you need before you ask Him. Empty phrases like the Gentiles. Two people in contrast here. Religious leaders who knew all there was to know about God, and then Gentiles who really weren't connected to God at all. These were people who didn't know God. It's interesting to me that he says, Gentiles who don't know me heap up words. They just throw stuff up hoping it will stick. They're trying to impress me, but they don't live their lives for me. And you've got religious leaders who toe the line of the law, but really what they're after is the approval of people. It is interesting that people who don't know God are the ones trying to get God's approval. And the ones who do know God are trying to get people's approval. Jesus says, don't be like either one of them. Don't throw up empty phrases, just hoping something will catch. Try, stop trying to preach a prayer sermon to God when you pray. And the other thing is this. Let's not be people who try to preach a prayer sermon to other people when we pray. 
We've all been in the room. We've all been in the prayer circle before, some of us maybe, where we were just a little bit nervous to pray because we didn't sound quite as articulate as the guy next to us. Here's the point. God is after your heart. That's what he's after. Your anger, your bitterness, the wickedness in your heart, the whatever it is, he wants all of that. Your doubt, come to God with all of that. Be exactly who you are, not who you ought to be when you pray. It's a breath of fresh air for me today and for us. Jesus himself says, pray from your heart. Don't worry about the type of words. Don't worry about the people around you. Just pray. It's good for you to pray from your heart. This puts an end to us thinking that God doesn't want to hear about all the things that we're mad at. He does. He does. Go to him with it. It puts an end to us thinking that God doesn't want to hear from us if we doubt. He, where else would you go with your doubt? He has the answer. Go to him. Frederick Bruner says, prayer is not an intelligence briefing for God. It is intelligent conversation with God. The paradox of prayer is that only when it is relieved of the necessity of much will people experience the freedom for much. When disciples know they don't have much to pray, they will, surprisingly, desire to pray more. So that's what not to do. Don't pray to perform for people or for God. How then should we pray? And here's where we're going to spend the rest of our time today. The first that we see out of this. Prayer is intimacy with God. It is intimacy with him. I love that Jesus starts this way. It might seem like a passing phrase that he's just kind of addressing the crowd in some way or God in some way. But that Jesus never made just passing phrases. He says... When you pray, pray like this, our Father, our Father. The only time in the gospel where Jesus uses this phrase, our Father, he's letting us know a few things. We are part of the family of God now because of him. It's not my Father, it's not your Father, it's Jesus saying, I have a Father and you have a Father. He is our Father, we are now grafted into the family of God. That is intimacy. The same intimacy that Jesus has with the Father is available to us. It also lets us know that Jesus is our older brother. Because of his work, we are more intimate and closer and knitted together with God the Father than we can ever possibly imagine. In this one single moment, Jesus is undoing the years of distortion that we've carried about how God the Father sees us and whether he's even accessible or even wants to talk to us. He's undoing all of that. Our Father, not just mine, not just yours, but together, family, he's ours. This is tough for us to swallow because a lot of us have broken ideas about fathers anyway. I do. We struggle with the concept of a father who wants to be with us. We struggle with even the thought of male leadership. That's kind of in the water right now. That any man who leads would lead us by still waters, would make us lie down in green pastures. We have to confront that. God the Father is not of this world. He is different. 
perfect in every way. He's actually totally good. He wants to hear from us. Prayer is about intimacy. The second thing, prayer is about worshiping God. It's our worship of God. Pray then like this, Jesus said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father who is right now in heaven, powerful, overseeing, by the word of his power, he spoke light into existence, upholding the universe together right now in this very moment. Also, ours. Now, how about that? You are God's. He is yours. Powerful, overseeing, omnipotent, everywhere at once. God is both intimate and strong. He's compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Hallowed be your name. This word means holy, and that's a great descriptor of him. Holy is your name, God. If we're going to describe God with one word, we would say he's holy. Let me define it. He's perfect in every way and in all things. Never distorted, never broken, never unreasonable. He's never hot-tempered. He's never in a bad mood. He's pure and clean and unimaginably bright with radiance. Holy is your name. No one can touch him or even come close. God stands alone. He's worthy of all glory and honor and power and might and majesty. Holy. Prayer is worship of God. Notice that this whole prayer begins with intimacy and it is immediately followed by worship. And here's what it means. Knowing God and being known by him, truly experiencing and knowing his love for us is what leads us directly into worship of him. Are you having a tough time worshiping God today? Have you forgotten all that he has done? Do you struggle to sing and pray and think about him as holy and worthy of worship? Have you forgotten who he is, how he found you and saved you to the uttermost? He didn't just fill up your cup enough, he fills it up to overflowing. When you think about God, when you really stop and think about him, his majesty, his wonder, his goodness, the thing that we want to do, that we are created to do, is return it to him and say, thank you, God. Blessed is your name. We all forget about God's goodness. We all forget about his nearness. And in no time, we start worshiping other idols. Well, the reason that we do that is because we forget. Psalm 103 helps us here. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your mouth is renewed like the eagles. Remember God, listen to me, please. Remember God, it's easy to forget him. That's one of the reasons why the Lord's Day church and community is so important because we're so forgetful. Have you ever noticed how it doesn't take long at all when you get out of the, Rhythm of community, the Lord's day, it just, I, this is what happens to me. I start to forget 
all of God's goodness. I need the reminder. We're forgetful people. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Prayer is worship. And third, prayer is asking for God's help. This is what we call intercession. Asking for the help of God. Verses 9 through 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Prayer is asking for God's help. I cannot do it, God. You can do it. Will you help me do it? Will you lead me? Asking for God's help in this way, it actually changes our DNA as spiritual beings. We're saying to him, your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's not my kingdom. When we start with God saved me, he is mine, I am his, and we worship God and we remember, oh, right, I forgot how good you are. I forgot that you're a better planner than me. I forgot that you love me more than I love myself. I forgot that you love my kids more than I do. I forgot that I didn't create my kids, that you did. I forgot that I didn't go and just find a job, that you provided that job for me. I forgot that you uphold the universe by the word of your power. I forgot that you are good. Your kingdom come, your will be done, not mine. This prayer is actively pushing against the pull of an entire world that thinks that we should look out for ourselves. It also confronts the lie in us, not just in the world, but in us all, that we should be the center of the universe or that our plan for our lives is better than God's. These are prayers of dependence and recognition. God, you know I don't. Help me. Give us this day our daily bread. That means everything we have comes from God. Where do you get bread? Where do you get food on the table? Who provided your job? (laughs) God does. Forgive us our debts. God is the one who redeems As we forgive our debtors, not just he redeems us, but God is also the one who changes our hearts and leads us to repentance. Repentance looks like when you have a good idea of what God has forgiven you of, then you are able quickly to forgive others. You see the pattern here? God has shown me how good he is, our Father, intimacy. I worship him for what he's shown me. And now what I'm praying is not my will, but your will, which leads me to all kinds of things. Forgive me, God, as I've looked on your goodness, as I've worshiped you, I'm reminded in my heart how good you are and how much I need you and how I should be towards other people. Forgive me, but also help me forgive. Lead us not into temptation. Prayer teaches us to follow and obey. If we lead ourselves, I can promise you the first place I'm going is to temptation. If I'm following God's leadership, you know where he leads us according to Psalm 23? Away from temptation and by still waters 
into green pastures. Deliver us from evil. God with us, his power, our dependence to fight sin, his leading. Philippians 2, therefore my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Prayer is intimacy, it is worship. Prayer is surrender to God. Prayer is also a practice, and again, not a performance. Jesus shows that he has an assumption about our life because he mentions it so much in this passage. He assumes that we are praying people. He gives us that. You should be a praying people. He says it four different times in Matthew 6. And when you pray, 6.6, 6, but when you pray, verse 7, and when you pray, 6, verse 9, pray like this. It is assumed when you do it, when you go, you should go more often, all the time. When you do it, pray like this. We have to be people that practice prayer, even though nobody in the history of the world outside of Jesus is any good at it. There's no such thing as being good at prayer. It's not performance at all. The only thing that we can do to be bad at it is if we're praying for people or we're just praying to preach and impress God. It requires the very core of us, who we are naturally in us, to bring our whole actual selves, our real selves to God. Prayer requires practice. My first point under that is this. Just pray. Just pray. Don't try and figure out how to do the praying. Don't try and figure out how to be good at it. Don't become a professional prayer. Just be a person who prays. Not how you think you should, not how you think God wants you to. Just pray, talk to God, tell him everything. Follow the model that Jesus gave us. It doesn't matter if you're hurt, if you're angry, if you're bitter, if you're happy, or if you're bored. Pray, talk to him. Pray with all those things, bring all of them. Even if you don't know what to say, just pray. John Chapman, pray as you can, not as you can't. The second is this, pray wherever you find yourself to be, wherever you are, in whatever place or current moment. That's quoted by Ben Hill right there, that run-on sentence. Wherever you find yourself to be, wherever you are, in whatever place or current moment, just pray. Don't wait for the right place or the sanctuary that you need to build out back or the waiting for my prayer room, my house to get done so I can start praying. If you drive in the car, pray in the car. Do you go to the grocery store? You need to pray there too. Do you think about going to the grocery store? Just pray, man. Just talk to God. <laughs> At church, yeah. I mean, that, you know, that's a given. That's written into the rule book of church. We're going to be praying together. Do you get on the mower? Pray on the mower. I don't know. Do you like to cook? Pray. One of my favorite books is um, written by this old uh, monk he, named Brother Lawrence. And um, he used to wash the dishes at a monastery. And he just was quiet for years. I mean, just back there washing the dishes, nobody. And he came out with this book called Practicing the Presence of God. And people were like, oh my goodness, he really knows God. 
Well, he knew God washing the dishes. I hate washing the dishes. I actually pray for God to help my heart when I, have to, when I go to wash the dishes. Touch somebody next to you and say, just pray. Just pray. Just go on ahead and touch them and say, just pray. Pray. Just do it wherever you are. Whatever you got going on, man, pray. Talk to God. Are you mad at him? Say, God, I'm mad. I don't know why. I need you to change my heart. Will you help me? Pray with your kids. You don't have to be good at it. There's no such thing. Just pray with them. In the car, at Chick-fil-A, at your desk, on the mower, in the table, in the bed, wherever and whenever. Stop trying to wait for the perfect situation and perfect moment. When we think that God is waiting on us, listen to this. When you think that God is waiting on us to create an ideal situation to pray to him, then all we've done is created an idol. It's not actual God. It's just a God made after our own image because we would expect, okay, now once you get it all together, come talk to me and then we'll start to, then you can start to, we can start to talk. But go and get it together first. I don't want, you know, I don't want to mess with you if you ain't got it together first. God is the exact opposite of that. Come as crazy as you are. And we are, I know we are, but come just exactly like you are, man. All of your crazy thoughts where you're like, man, I don't know why I act so strange. I don't know why I feel this way. Come exactly like that to God. He is our Father, intimate, knows. This is a scary thought for me, but this is true for everybody in this room and me especially. He knows everything about you that you try to hide from other people. He knows everything about you that you try to hide from yourself. And he even knows all the things about you that if you knew about yourself that you would try to hide from other people and yourself. And what he says is, I am yours. You are mine. Come talk to me. I love talking to you. Come talk to me. I love everything about you. This is how God would tell us. I love everything about you. I made you. In your mother's womb, I formed you. I love everything about you, even all the craziness. And you don't even know how crazy you actually are. God knows all of that stuff. This is love. Listen to me. He loves every single ounce of us. He loves who you are, who you're going to be. Even on the days when you have just totally messed up and you feel crazy, God his love for you doesn't change. He's not like us. He doesn't wake up moody. He loves us. Our Father, mine, yours, ours, who is in heaven, powerful, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Provide for us. Forgive us. Help us be generous. Help us forgive. Help me to loosen my grip over my life. Help me to trust you with my life. I know that you're trustworthy. I just need you to help me see it. C.S. Lewis, let us lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. So let's come to the table. Let's lay before God what is in us not what we think should be in us. Let's stand together.